It is my joy to welcome you to today's podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you in a special way during our time together. Let's pray as we look to the word. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your precious word. Your word, Lord, speaks to our hearts. Your word, Lord, penetrates the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I pray that you, today you would bring the word alive to us. Help us to be obedient to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for, for you are able to do great things among us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. What a joy to be here the first Sunday of September. And eight months have passed us by, and God has been good. Can you say amen? God has been good. I heard the story of uh, a couple who had three daughters. All three married. And uh, the mother-in-law decided to have a test. She wanted to check if all her three sons-in-law really loves her. And so one day she decided to go for a walk with her eldest son-in-law. And she walked, and when she, she, they were passing by a lake, and suddenly she jumped into the lake. She wanted to see if he loves the mother-in-law so much, and he did. He was so he, he was so scared, he was so panicky, he jumped after her, saved her, and lo and behold, the next day, there was a brand new car outside his house. I said, thank you. I mean, I didn't know you loved me so much. Well, a week later, she went again, this time with his second son-in-law. She walked, and just like the previous week, she jumped into the lake, and the second son-in-law, he panicked, he jumped after the mother-in-law and saved her. Lo and behold, the next day, there was a brand new bike outside his house. The third week, she went again, this time with the third son-in-law. Walked, and this time again, she wanted to check if the son-in-law really loves the mother-in-law. She jumped into the lake. Now, the third son-in-law, he thought for a moment. He said, listen, the first son-in-law got a car. The second one got a bike. I have a feeling she's going to keep a cycle for me. He says, you know, for a cycle, I'm not going to jump into the lake. So she saw the, he saw the lady struggling, and finally she died. The poor mother-in-law died. He came back home, and lo and behold, the next day, there was a BMW outside his house. He was shocked. The mother-in-law died, and, BMW, and found out it was a father-in-law who gifted him. I want to tell all the mother-in-laws, please don't test your sons-in-law. This month is a month of missions. We're focusing on missions the next, this, this week and the next three weeks. And of course, we have our missions convention next weekend. The Lord allowed us to start our missions department in 2009. And over the past 13 years, we have made significant progress. We have started a number of churches within Hyderabad. We are currently supporting pioneering frontline workers, pastors, and Bible colleges. We are also standing with a number of mission projects and church building construction. Mostly, New Life Assembly have been a mission funding agency. We have supported people financially. There's one desire on my heart. 
not only my heart, the pastor's heart. We would love to see people step out into full-time ministry and be ready to pioneer churches outside of Hyderabad. Be willing to go to the state. Be willing to go to other states. Be willing to go to other nations and pioneer churches. We would love to see that happen in our church. Our care cells have been deeply involved in missions on short mission trips, our outreaches, medical mission trips, youth mission trips, sports mission trips. Many of these mission trips, and I have taken teams in the past on youth mission trips, and there are people that come back challenged for missions. They come back. I remember one young man, his name was Donald DeCruz, part of our church, was part of our choreo team. He came with me and a team. There were about eight or ten of us. We went to Jaipur, Rajasthan for a youth ministry. He came back. God spoke to him in the camp. He came back and said, Pastor, I want to get into ministry. And he's just come to know the Lord two years. He was coming from a Catholic background, came to faith. And then I said, I want you to pray, fast and pray and see God's face. And he did. He prayed and came back and says, God is leading me into ministry. And uh, he came, resigned his job at Amazon, went to Bible college for three years. This was four years ago. He came back, started pioneering a church last year here in Esarav Nagar, Hyderabad, Secunderabad. In fact, this evening I'm going to be preaching at their church. It is going to be their church's first anniversary. He already has 40 people coming regularly to his service. Amen. Listen, God is willing to use each one of us. So I encourage people to get on mission trips. Who knows what God would do through your life? That's exciting. The key is for everyone who calls himself a Christian or a follower of Christ or a disciple of Christ to be involved in personal witnessing, in personal evangelism, in soul winning. It all starts at home. It starts in your Jerusalem, at your home, in your neighborhood, your college, your office. When was the last time you have personally shared the gospel with somebody. Let me see your hands. How many got to share the gospel with somebody in the last one week? Lift your hands really high. Not like this, like this. Your elbow going near your, yeah, like that. Last week, you got to share. Just wave, let me see. Okay, wonderful, you got to share the gospel. All right, keep your hands up. Number two, how many got to share the gospel last month, in the month of August? You got to share with at least one person. Wonderful. Everyone who lifted for one week and one month, just lift your hands. Wonderful. How many got to share the gospel in the last eight months of the year? Lift your hands. At least to one person. Lift your hands. Wave it. Listen, there are a number of people that have lifted their hands, but there's also a large number of people that haven't. Amen? I'm glad you're all facing me. You don't get to see who didn't lift their hands. But if you have not lifted your hands the last eight months, you haven't shared the gospel with even one person, I think it's time for us to start. Can you say amen? After this message, I believe we will start. We know Jesus was involved in personal evangelism. We know he went to Samaria to look out for that one woman so he can share about the living water. He went to uh, Jericho. And he came by the sycamore tree and looked up at that man, the short man who was the height of Pastor Walton. He went up, looked up, and he said, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. I want to come to your home. And he came to faith. 
Paul was involved in personal evangelism. Peter was involved in personal evangelism. I want to speak to you today on the power of personal witnessing. One on one. One on one. If you look at the Bible, Jesus finishes earthly mission in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And towards the end of his journey, he gave the great commission to his disciples in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you. With the great commission, he also gave great empowering in Acts 1.8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that happened in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people were filled in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. And the church of Jesus Christ was born on Pentecost Day. Peter stood up to preach. He preached a message. In fact, he copied somebody else's message. He preached a message Joel, Joel the prophet had already preached. He preached somebody else's message. And 3,000 people came to Christ. The early church believers shared their faith every day. The church grew because of personal witnessing. They went house to house. They taught in the synagogues. They broke bread. They fellowship. They gave generously. They gave to those in need. They took care of the widows. And the Bible says in Acts 2 verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Can you say the word daily? Daily. Personal witnessing was a daily exercise. Let me ask you, where do you spend more time daily? What occupies your mind and your heart daily? For some, it is social media. For some, it is movies. For some, it is Netflix. For some, it is some cooking. Some, for some, it's a calling people. What occupies your time daily? The believers in the first century were involved in sharing the gospel daily. There was exponential growth. In two chapters, you find in Acts chapter 4 verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So from 3,000 in chapter 2, it went to 5,000 in chapter 4. Because it was being added daily. Daily. Thousands of people were coming to Christ every week, every month. Acts 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers. Can you say the word added? Say daily. Acts 5, 42. Day after day in the temple court and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The key in the first century was personal witnessing. Soul winning was a daily exercise. Acts 6 and verse 7. So the word of God spread. The numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, I want you to know, until now, there was such explosive growth. But in chapter 6, persecution began. I mean, they were there from the beginning. But it became more stronger. In chapter 6, they arrested Stephen. If you know Stephen... They arrested him. Chapter 7, we have a long message by Stephen. It was a, one of those fire and brimstone messages. At the end of the day, he was stoned to death. At the end of chapter 7, 
Stephen was stoned to death, the first martyr in the Bible. So on one hand, the gospel is spreading, people are coming to Christ. On the other hand, persecution is rising. Chapter 8 is where I'm actually going to have my message. Chapter, I'm going to be preaching chapter 8, 9, and 10. All right, three chapters today. Chapter 8, verse 1, now Saul was consenting to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. What did Acts 1 say? You will receive power and you'll be witnesses where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Right? And right now in chapter 8, it's, it has already moved from Jerusalem. Because of persecution, it has gone to Judea and is going to Samaria. You'll find that it is slowly touching the uttermost parts of the earth. Chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had... Oh, this is beautiful. Shall we read this verse together? I don't know if you have it in your Bible. Chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So this is what happened. Wherever they were scattered, they were preaching. They were preaching. They were preaching. And the gospel is spreading everywhere they went. Hallelujah. Now this morning, I'm going to talk about three people. This morning, I'm going to talk about three people who came to salvation. One in chapter 8, and that's, I'm going to talk about the Ethiopian eunuch. Chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus. Chapter 10, a Roman centurion by name Cornelius and family. So I'm going to talk this morning, uh, my point is very simple. Chapter 8, 9, 10, those are my three points. The eunuch, Saul, and Cornelius. That's my three points, very simple. You don't have to memorize nothing. It's very simple. Now, this... You can see how the gospel is going beyond Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, because Philip is already in Samaria, and now it's going to the ends of the earth. Let me come to the first thing I want to share. A stranger introduces salvation to an Ethiopian eunuch. In eight, chapter 8, verse 26 to 40, we find an Ethiopian eunuch. He comes to know Christ as his Savior. The Bible says in verse 27, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship. Listen to me. Here is a man who is a eunuch. In other words, a eunuch is a castrated male because he was working with the palace, with the women, with the queen. They castrate the male, so there is no desire for women. He is a eunuch, but he is in great authority. He is in charge of the treasury. In other words, this eunuch had money power. Everybody say money power. Yes. We presume he's a wealthy man because number one, he rode from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, which is a distance of 3,500 to 3,800 kilometers. Over 2,200 miles. They traveled one way and he came on a chariot. That means he's a wealthy man. He's not walking. He's not just coming on a donkey. He's coming on a chariot. He's, he's coming more royal. Plus, on the way back, he was able to afford the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The scrolls are expensive. 
You don't get to, everybody don't get to have scrolls in their hands. And he was under Candace. Candace is a title given to the queen mother of Ethiopia. It is like the title we give in Egypt to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is not the name of a king, it's the title of a king. Amen? Candace is a title given to the queen. It's not the queen, it's the queen's queen mother. The king's mother is the queen mother. She was handling the finances while the king ran the admin. I want you to know, this man was under the queen mother. He took a long journey. He came to the most religious city on the face of the earth. He came to the temple in Jerusalem. He had the right reason to come there. He came to worship. And now he's returning back. He's returning with the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he's returning back empty. He's returning back empty. A wealthy man, a man of influence, going to the right city for the right reason and comes back empty. Now let me ask you, do you know people like that? Do you know people who are wealthy? Do you know people who are influential? Who have all the money, who have all the power? And they have, they can actually book a private jet to go to a place of pilgrimage, whether it's to the Middle East, whether it's to Israel, whether it's to some place in North India, they can even book a charter a plane. They can go there. They can go to all these places. They can give the money, their gold, their children, their wealth, and still come back empty. Still come back. There are people in authority, my friends. There are people who are wealthy, who drive fancy cars, who live in luxurious villas, luxurious homes. They, they have all the wealth. And still deep inside, there is a void, there is a vacuum, there is a hunger, there is a thirst in the heart. A lot of time we shy away from people like that. We shy away and say, hey, they're too wealthy. Look at, look at the branded things they have. Look at the fancy cars here. There's no way we can go near them. But what I want you to know, in the midst of all that they possess, they still do not have something they really need is peace in their heart. What you and I do not know is they are probably going to night sleepless. They probably are unable to sleep. They are probably thinking of committing suicide. They have everything and still they feel empty. Here is a man been to the most religious place on the face of the planet and coming back empty. Only Jesus can feel the deepest longings of a human heart. You're watching my message today and I want you to know you're listening to my message. You'll probably watch this video. And I want you to know, my friend, you may have everything the world can give. You, can, you would have made all the money you want to. And still there is a longing in your heart that nothing can satisfy. No religion can satisfy. No place of pilgrimage can satisfy. Your money, your wealth, your house, your car cannot satisfy. There is a God up in heaven who died for you. And his name is Jesus. And he will satisfy God was already working in the eunuch's life. I want you to see the hand of the Holy Spirit in the eunuch's life. Already God has been just stirring his heart. God has been stirring his spirit, hovering over his heart. And preparing him. Because look at, look at the ways of the Holy Spirit. When he's coming back, he didn't take the latest Time magazine. He didn't pick up a nice book of history of Israel. 
he was carrying the book of Isaiah on his way back and he's reading out loud. And of all the 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, he comes to the gospel chapter. The chapter that talks about Jesus Christ, Isaiah 53. He was led like a lamb for the slaughter. It's a prophetic word 700 years before Christ's death. And the prophet is rising and here is a man already stirred in his spirit and he's having a hunger to know who is this man writing about? About himself or somebody else? Friends, there are people all around. God, the Holy Spirit is working in their heart. And you and I do not see what God is doing. But I want you to trust the Holy Spirit. I want you to trust the Holy Spirit because God is stirring their hearts. Put your hand, man to man, woman to, just tell them God is speaking to you today. Tell them, God is speaking to you. We want to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Say that. We want to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Please be seated. Hallelujah. Are you ready for it? God, the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning. And I want you to pay attention because God has a word for you. God is also stirring the heart of the, the, the evangelist, his name is Philip. Philip is having a great revival in Samaria. People are coming to Christ. Evil spirits are shrieking and leaving the people. They're laying clothes and shadows of people are healing the people. An angel comes and says, Philip, come on. Leave the crusade, leave the busy ministry and go over to the road to Gaza and there is a man. And I can imagine Philip saying, God, you want me to leave this crowd of people to go after one man? One man? And that man is so different than me. He's not an Israelite. His color is different. He's Egypt. He's Ethiopian. His culture is different. I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. But God, you want me to go to that one man? I don't know. Yes, Philip, I want you to go. Because I've been working on his spirit for months together. You do not know what I have been doing in his heart and his spirit. You do not know what I have been doing in their spirit. I want you to go. And Philip goes. He instantly obeys. He promptly obeys. Can you say the word? He promptly obeys. I want you to lift your hands and say, I need to promptly obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He goes there and he goes, come to the chariot and says, do you understand what you are reading? And he says, no, I don't. Who is this man? And beginning at that scripture, Philip preaches Christ to him. I want you to know something. When you're preaching the gospel, number one, remember to use scripture. Everybody says scripture. Share scripture. Don't share, uh, tell some story from company. Don't share something, something, something. Whatever you share, come back to scripture. We come, number two, pointing at that scripture, he shared about Jesus. The second thing you talk about is talk about the Savior. You talk about scripture, everybody says scripture, because his word will never return void. His word will accomplish that which it is intended to. Number you, you point out to the Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through this one man, Savior Jesus Christ. Number three, focus on salvation. Focus on salvation. Focus on leading that person to repent of their sins and accept Christ as their Savior and give his heart to the Lord. Amen. Don't just show the scripture and show the Savior and walk away. 
put an altar call and say, would you like to accept the Savior? Would you like to have salvation? Would you like to be free of your sins and, and lead them to a saving knowledge of Christ? Philip did that, and that man, that man accepted Christ. And then he says, look, here is water. What hinders me? He didn't just preach the gospel. He preached water baptism. And he went and baptized the eunuch, and the Spirit of God took Philip away. Hallelujah. I want to talk about a second man. His name is Saul of Tarsus. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. The midday encounter that saved Saul. Verse 3. As he journeyed, he came, to near, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. The Bible says he saw bright light and he was blinded. When he tried to open his eyes, there were scales. He couldn't see. They led him over to a room and he was there for the next three days and three nights. Listen, who is Saul? Saul is a brilliant man. He was an intelligent man. He finished his PhD under Gamaliel. He had done his doctor of the law. Amen. But at the same time, he was a radical. He was zealous for his religion. He was ready to kill anybody. He would drag men and women out of the house, put them in jail. Saul had what we call intellectual power. He was smart, brilliant man. You could never win an argument with him. You could never debate with him. You could never talk about Jesus because he's also ferocious. He may hate you. Question, friends. Do you know somebody really intelligent, brilliant people? We have a lot of PhDs right here. I'm honored to be your pastor. I would love to do my PhD someday. I'm waiting for retirement. Listen. PhD. Smart, intelligent, but also radical. But I want you to know, God has been stirring this radical man, this intelligent man. God has been stirring of all his studies. Here, he's coming face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, you are persecuting me, Saul. You know, there are people all around us that are intelligent, that look radical, and we shy away from people like that. We stay away from them and say, hey, I can never go and have an argument with them. I can never talk because I do not know as much as they know. But I want you to know even that intelligent man, even the radical, has a vacuum in his heart, has a void in his heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. And I'm talking to those who are listening to me on video. Friend, you may be smart. You are intelligent. You've done all the studies you can. But there is a hunger in your heart that only Jesus can satisfy. In all your learning, you still yourself find yourself empty. 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 You're radical for religion. You're trying to fight for religion. And I have news for you. You only satisfy people down on earth. You only satisfy yourself. But in all your religiosity, you're still empty. God spoke to Ananias, a man. And said, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul in chapter 9. I'm kind of condensing it because of my time. Go to, go to Saul. And Ananias was so fearful. He was so scared. He was in God. 
Have you seen the news lately? Have you seen BBC? Have you seen NDTV? God, have you seen some of the social media things about him? Have you seen his Insta page of all the persecution he's been doing? God, I don't know if you're aware of social media. God, I want you to watch my social media page about Saul. He's been dragging people. He's putting them in jail. God, God, and God says, Ananias, come on, chill. I've already done my homework. Ananias, trust me, I have done my homework. I've already calmed that man. He will not reason with you. He will not fight with you. You just obey. He is my chosen instrument and he's going to bear my name before kings and before Gentiles. And I have news for you. He's going to suffer a great deal for my name. Oh, when he heard that, Ananias was pretty happy. He said, oh, wow. He's going to suffer? He's, oh, that, that makes him very good, you know? Because he was a man persecuting everybody. And now the Lord is saying he's going to suffer. So Ananias said, okay. He will go and he goes and says, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the day on your way to Damascus has sent me to pray for you so you may receive your healing. He prays for him and he says to see, share the gospel, he accepts Christ, baptizes him that day and I believe he was also filled in the spirit and Saul is changed as a firebrand. Listen to me. I can think of somebody who came to Dr. Paul, uh, Paul Dinagaran's meeting in Chennai he was from the radical group, from a religious group. And they were sent to actually attack Christian um, ministers, or pastors, evangelists. He was standing at, the, at the, uh, where the steps that lead to the stage, right there below. And Dr. Paul Dinagaran was preaching. I met the man, so I know I'm, I'm telling the truth. The man was there to attack him, either to kill him or beat him or do something. He had come with a group. And he was standing for Paul to come down the steps. As Dr. Paul was coming down the steps, he looked at this man and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and looked at the man and said, listen, you're coming, you came here as Saul, but you will go back as Paul. A prophetic word. Now, this man who was from a different religious background didn't understand what that Saul and Paul meant. Dr. Paul gave him the business card. He went to this man. He went to Dr. Paul's office and he shared about the gospel sitting there in his office, this radical man gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He was a tall man. He's much taller than me, much heftier. And to cut the story short, he went and did Bible college training and started serving the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, he's in Hyderabad. He would come sometime to our church. I know the man. What am I trying to say? You may look at the tough exterior, but the Holy Spirit has a way to touch people's heart because there is a vacuum. There is a part of that person that nobody can touch except the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about the third thing I want to say is about Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 48. Cornelius... The Bible says, oh, let me go to verse one. The Bible says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household 
and gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. This centurion, his name is Cornelius. He was a Gentile. He was a Roman army officer. He was strong. I want you to think of this strong, macho man. He was. Tough soldier. Perhaps a decorated soldier, a war veteran. He had what we call muscle power or military power. The Ethiopian eunuch had money power. Saul had intellectual power. Cornelius has muscle power or military power. He was smart. He had authority. He had influence. He had a hundred soldiers under him. Though he was a Gentile, in verse 2, it says he was a wonderful man. He was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Here was a man, though he was a military man, there was a hunger for God in his heart. Gentile man, he had a heart. He gave alms to the poor. He was a tough, strong soldier, but there was a hunger. And God spoke to Peter to go. Now, Peter was a very strict Orthodox Jew. He's now a believer, but still some of the Jewish qualities are in him. And when God told him, that the way God spoke to him, God sent a bed sheet, a big large sheet with all kinds of animals. When Peter had gone to the terrace, a large sheet came with all kinds of animals. And God said, Peter, rise up, kill those animals and eat them. Peter said, no, Lord, <laughs> I'm a clean man. I'm a pakka Brahmin. You know, I mean, don't, 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 I don't, no, 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 nothing, I don't want. He was saying, I will not do anything. Those are unclean animals. And again, the sheet lifted up, again came back. Peter, kill and eat. He said, no, 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 I will not. Oh, do. Again, the sheet, and again he came back. Peter, kill and eat. He said, no. And God said to him, what? God says clean. You should never call that thing unclean. And about the same time, three people came outside the door and he was calling for Peter and God said, those men have come from my house. I want you to go there. Peter goes. And lo and behold, in that house, everybody's sitting with hearts wide open for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many people, they may have a tough exterior. They may have muscle power. They may be in uniform. They may be in the government. They have authority. But there deep in the heart, there is a hunger. Hunger for God. Hunger for peace. Hunger so the whole family will enjoy salvation. And Peter preached the gospel. Everybody comes to Christ. Everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter baptizes them in water later. I want you to know there are three stories I shared with you. I shared about the Ethiopian eunuch. I shared about Saul and I talked about Cornelius. Peter had prejudice. He had bias. He had his own reservation. God had to cut through that person's reservation to make him available to share. Friends, when it comes to sharing the gospel, you and I, have our own challenges. But before I go into that, I want to say this. In all these instances, I want you to notice the Holy Spirit is in work in each people, each of these people. Holy Spirit was working in the life of eunuch, in the life of Saul, in the life of Cornelius. Amen? 
The Holy Spirit was working even before the evangelist met him. Even before the messenger met that person. For weeks together, for years together, for months together, the Holy Spirit is working. And I have news for you. There are so many people in your neighborhood, like the eunuch, like Saul, like Cornelius, in your neighborhood. There are people with money power, with intellectual power, with influence, radical people, soldiers, strong muscle power. There are people with authority all around you. And what you and I do not know is the weeks and days and months and years the Holy Spirit has been working in each one of their lives. And the Holy Spirit comes and whispers to you, son, go to that person, your neighbor. Go and tell about my son to your colleague. Go and tell about my son to that soldier. To go and tell about my son to that person in your office. And a lot of times we are hesitant. We have problem like Philip the evangelist. We have problem because we are busy with what we do. Philip the evangelist said, God, I have such a beautiful, successful. Our success keeps us from sharing the gospel. Our busyness keeps us from sharing the gospel. But God has already put the scroll in his hand. He's already reading Isaiah 53. He's just waiting for you. I want you to be obedient, my friends. I want you to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. God has been stirring their hearts. And like Ananias, we can be fearful and say, God, you do not know how much of a threat those people are. Those neighbors are, are, are radical people. They're brilliant people. I don't even know how to tell the gospel to them. But friends, God has already been stirring them. They've already had an encounter with God Almighty. And God is just asking you to just go and meet that person that he has already been speaking. Or like Peter, we'll have our own prejudices. Lord, they are from another state. They speak Bengali, they speak Oriya, they speak, I only speak Telugu. I don't know how to communicate. They're from different culture, they're different background. And they're in the military, God. I cannot share the gospel. My friends, would you be sensitive to the whisper of the Holy Spirit in your life? God will whisper and say, go and share. May you and I never be guilty of being disobedient to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. May you and I never be found disobedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When he nudges you, nudges you to go and speak, will you just say, yes, Lord, I will. Let me talk about the influence the significance of the decision. Ethiopian eunuch is from Ethiopia. Ethiopia is in Africa. It's a country below Egypt. Below Egypt is Sudan. Below Sudan to the southeast is Ethiopia. Are you getting me? It's in Egypt. That Ethiopian man came to Christ, went back to Ethiopia, and he was one of the first converts in Africa. He went and shared the gospel all over Africa. He was instrumental in bringing the gospel to the continent of Africa. Saul of Tarsus is from Tarsus. He's from Asia. He was instrumental in bringing the gospel all over Asia. Cornelius is from the Italian regiment. He's an Italian. He's from Europe. He was instrumental in bringing the gospel to the continent of Europe. You and I will never know 
what the person you and I lead to will actually do in their life. Many years ago, one teacher from our church shared the gospel with another lecturer in the college. She was from a Muslim background. Shared the gospel. I don't know how many days or weeks, but that lady accepted Christ. And last Sunday she was preaching here. She's been around the world just because one teacher shared the gospel with somebody else who's from a Muslim background. Sister Safiya Mirza. We have a brother from our church, Brother T.G. Benairu, who is no more with us. He is a businessman, an industrialist. Somebody went and shared the gospel with him. He came to Christ and the entire household. How much of a blessing he has been. Another gentleman came to our church. His name was Colonel J.K. Sethi. He's from Kashmir, a military man, an officer in the army. Remember going and giving a Bible to him. Sharing about Jesus Christ. Telling his son can be touched. He gave his heart. He's a firebrand for Jesus Christ today. My friend, you have no clue what God can do through your life. I'm going to challenge you as I pray. I'm going to challenge you. Would you be willing to share the gospel with people? How many of you say, yes, pastor, I'm willing to? This is a mission month. You know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, send somebody to Africa, send somebody to Egypt. And can you go and share the gospel with somebody? Yes? Can you share? How many of you are willing to share at least to one person in one week? Let me see your hands. I want you to make that promise to God, really, or not to me. One person in a week. How many say, Pastor, that is too much for me. <clears throat> I'll share one person in a month. At least one person in a month. Yes. I want you to close your eyes, please. I want you to talk to God. When the Holy Spirit spent weeks and months stirring and working in somebody's heart, and when he nudges you to go and share the gospel, may you and I never be found disobedient to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. One army officer shared the gospel with my father. When my father was given to alcohol 48 years ago, out of respect for that man and out of respect for his rank, my father accepted Christ. And the last 48 years, he's been a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because somebody shared the gospel with a colleague, with a subordinate. I want you to pray and say, God, give me opportunity to share. Help me to be willing. My friend, may none of us here be found disobedient. May each one of us be actively involved in sharing about Jesus. Remember, share the scripture, share about the Savior, and share salvation. Would you just put your hand on your heart, one hand lifted to heaven, and talk to Jesus right now. Talk to him. Talk to him and say, God, help me to be obedient to share. Father, I pray for everyone that has heard the word. Everyone that has heard the word. Father, thank you for the life of the Ethiopian eunuch, of Saul of Tarsus, of Cornelius. These men that you have touched. Thank you that Philip was willing. Ananias was fearful but willing. And Paul, Peter had prejudice, but he was willing to go because of these men. Nations have come to faith. Continents have come to faith. Lord, through our obedience, 
May people groups, may villages, may cities, may towns come to faith. Because each one of us will be obedient to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anoint each one of us. Empower each one of us. Help us to be willing and obedient because God's method is a man. God's method, each each one of us. Help us to be available and effective. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you would like more information about our church or would like to make a comment, please mail us at info at newlifeag.in. God bless you.